Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. again to a discovery of witches demons and vampires podcast a weekly podcast discussing the television series on shutter among other places entitled a discovery of witches we are discussing each week's episode of season two in our synopsis and then we also critique I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? I'm all right. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Oh, just fine, thank you. Excellent, excellent. For folks who are curious, Kevin is not originally from Missouri, so he's not upset that uh, the Kansas City... Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. I really don't care. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Indeed. Wasn't it Tom I, Brady that won the Super Bowl? I'm sure it did. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I think you're going to have some co-hosts that are just going to be upset that the only reason why, you know, they, they don't really care about Kansas City. They just wanted Tom Brady to lose. Well, it's funny because I... I, 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 I texted phil last night and i was like i can't figure out how the buccaneers got there and then i realized tom brady went to the buccaneers somebody somebody was i i I was in self-defense class tonight and somebody was talking about that tom brady has been in 18 percent of the super bowls like total yeah i think so i think that's true he's been in 10 of them and there's been 55 so Actually, actually, yeah. So ten, yeah. So that ten, you just divide ten by fifty-five, and that's the percentage, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, let me see here. I'm too lazy to do math in my head, so I have something called an online calculator. So he's been in eighteen percent of the Super Bowls. Yeah, that's impressive. Eighteen point eighteen percent. And what did you say, Kevin? Eighteen. Yeah, that's right. Even a little more than eighteen. So yeah, it is impressive. Uh, all right. So, I'm sorry? Round numbers. Yes, that's right. Uh, so uh, for folks who don't care about uh, sp- sports, or if they do care for sports, that's fine. But we're here to discuss 
um, the TV series, as we discussed, entitled A Discovery of Witches. Um, so where can people find us if they stumbled upon us, uh, who we are, and all that other good stuff? Well, we're part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, it is a website that is all new genre. So if you follow genre news like uh, movies, TV shows, books, and animation, like anime, uh, video games and whatnot. Uh, it's a website you should probably check out daily because it is updated daily with columns, reviews, uh, release notices, uh, interviews, podcasts, and so forth. Uh, this podcast here is just one of about 30 on the network. Um, you can find us wherever podcasts are found, as well as darkdiscussions.com. Uh, myself, Barrett, and Kevin actually do... Uh, another podcast uh, recently that we've been doing is called a Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews Podcast. Our latest episode, episode 15 or volume 15, um, was released on Friday and about a movie called Go, Don't Go uh, from 2021, a uh, new uh, dystopian post-apocalypse science fiction art house film. And it has been the number one uh, listened to podcast uh, since... Saturday. So uh, for three days now, it's been uh, uh, pulling in a lot of listeners. And uh, we are recording this on February 8th, 2021. And uh, we are here to discuss episode five of the Discovery of Witches um, of season two. Um, the show is uh, based off of the books by Deborah Harkness, uh, which is the All Souls trilogy. And uh, it was the 10th anniversary of, I believe, the first release of the first novel. And now, 10 years later, it's an international uh, giant. So, so uh, congratulations to um, Deborah Harkness uh, for success and uh, it now being a 10-year anniversary of her first novel in the series. Uh, episode five is simply entitled episode five. Unlike other television series, uh, it does not, uh, give names to each individual episode. Um, uh, this one was directed by Philippa Langdale and written by Lisa Hodsworth, uh, was released on February 5th, 2021, uh, in the UK and February 6th, 2021 in the U S uh, we use re record this on Sunday after, uh, the, episode, but uh, due to the Super Bowl that we just discussed, we pushed it back one day, and we are actually recording this once again on Monday, February 8th, 2021. Um, all right, I think that's pretty much it for house cleaning, so I guess we can get into our discussion tonight, but before we do, we'll give each of us uh, personal thoughts on the episode, so let's start with you, uh, Barrett. I really like this episode. Um, I thought it made Diana's character even stronger, uh, which I was glad to see. Um, and I was glad to have Philippe come into it. Um, James Perfroy did a really, really good job. Um, and I think the season's got a lot more good stuff to come. All right, that's fine. And uh, yeah, this is the, so we're halfway through the up season now. Uh, so six, five more episodes after this one. Um, yes, for me. Um, yeah, so we switch back to uh, the past again, 1590. Uh, and this was entirely uh, in that episode, or, or I should say that area of time, um, with our two lead characters 
Diana and Matthew. Um, and yeah, this is a really solid episode. Uh, it moved really quick. Uh, had some really good suspense scenes. Uh, showed another side of Diana um, having to, to fight for her life. Um, and we did get to meet uh, the patriarch of the Claremont family uh, and Philippe. Uh, once again, as Barrett said, played by uh, Mr. Purifoy. Um So, yeah, it was a big thumbs up. I would say a really good episode, change of pace from last week, which was also a, a solid episode. Kevin? Um, I, I like the episode as well. Like I said so far, this whole series does not have a dud. There is no dud episode. So I look forward to... Look forward to each episode. This one is interesting. It kind of went the it did one wasn't really revealed, but it showed something that I I didn't expect that. Uh, and we'll get into it, but talk about the uh, let's just say the physical relationship between Matthew and Diane, Diana, um, or more of the point, what wasn't happening between them. And uh, but it, considering the fact that what we found out last last week it's actually not surprising um but then like i said we meet the patriarch of the declaremonts also we see diana becoming i mean she's always been a bit on the bold side but she's becoming even more bold when she'll actually when she was actually talking directly to uh declaremont himself you know and pretty much standing her own ground and you know it's i usually women did not i mean obviously in that time period women really did not do that very much and uh she did and she really uh she didn't really tell him off but she pretty much said i'm I'm not impressed with you uh in in so many words and then also we meet a new character who is matthew's sister now i'm sure it's not a literal like same mother same father sister but we meet another sister we meet her his sister who is not exactly a nice person um but we'll talk more about that later all right very good so uh yes appears that uh, all three of your co-hosts uh, uh enjoyed this episode a lot uh so we'll uh, discuss in detail um, we will uh, spoil since uh, anybody who's here obviously is here to hear other people's perspectives on the series uh, because otherwise um, you wouldn't be watching the show and therefore wouldn't be interested in the podcast. Um, so uh, let me give a, a quick uh, Wikipedia uh, synopsis uh, it's right from the Wikipedia. Uh, It says, Louisa de Claremont visits London looking for her brother, but instead she finds Kit and joins him in drunken debauchery. Diana and Matthew arrive in France by boat and begin the long journey on horseback to Septours while Gallo Glass goes on ahead to Bohemia. Diana is physically exhausted by the trip and finds Matthew growing more distant the closer they get to his father. When they finally arrive, Philippe, already knows that Diana is a time walker and that this version of his son is also from the future. 
Furthermore, he can tell that the couple have not consummated their relationship yet, and thus, despite what Matthew has told Diana, I mean Diana, they are not truly mated. Hurt and angry, Diana pushes Matthew away before he can begin to explain. Philippe urges his son to go hunting first thing in the morning. Andre Champier, a witch, arrives at Septor's, claiming that Diana summoned him. Philippe appears to believe this and allows him to meet, but Champier calls Diana a traitor and attempts to steal her memories. When Matthew rushes to her aid, Diana summons the sword from his belt and kills her tormentor. So that's the synopsis, uh, and it's actually pretty pretty solid, uh, except it doesn't really go in too much detail about Louisa de Clermont and what's going on in London. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll get into all that. Um, so I guess we'll uh, uh, discuss anything and everything, uh, not, you know, uh, minute by minute, but specific, specific scenes and uh, themes and whatnot. Uh, so where do we guys want to start? Uh, what do you guys want to start talking about? Well, I'll start with Louisa. Um, here's a woman who is, how shall we say, she doesn't care about humans. She's a sociopath, maybe. She's a, yeah, she's a sociopath. Well, she doesn't care about humans because... Uh, the humans are food. They're, she's not a sociopath. They're sheep. Well, they're food. But, I mean, I mean, even Matthew de Claremont, you know, Matthew got along with actual humans you know he worked with actual humans and you know a few other people were i mean no i agree with right. that I just don't think she's a sociopath because she kills humans and doesn't care about them because they're food to her yeah but but that's the thing is that these vampires aren't like the vampires in other folklore and horror movies these vampires are basically kind of human and they have they live amongst the humans and they interact with the humans and so they don't do what she does well they so not her not caring makes me consider her obviously someone with behavioral health issues because she has no conscience well i mean yeah i mean i'll, I'll believe it that i agree with phil on this one because like i said every other i mean it seems like most of the other vampires we meet they're all very, um, you know, they get a lot. I mean, we have, uh, what was it? Matthew's brother from last episode, even pretty much when he, uh, he gets romantic with a human or someone who we think is human, but yeah, she, we get, he gets re romantic with a human. Yeah, and, Phoebe. yeah. And then, um, you know, it's like, it seems like everybody, you know, when we meet, when Matthew comes back into, you know, 1590, you know, he has he has friends, including um, Sir Walter Raleigh, you know, who is definitely a human. And they they get along. They're they're allies. They they're I don't know if I would go. They are friends. I don't think all vampires feel that way, though. We're seeing mostly the de Claremonts. I mean, when you if you think about Joubert, I don't think he thinks of humans as equals. Well, no, I don't. He, I don't know. He's he's he indifferent not, to the humans. He does right. He's more. He coexists peacefully with them. For I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he just doesn't. If I could interject for a second, first of all, the the head that he has is 
is another vampire's head. No, it's thing. not. It's a witch. It's not a human. It's a yeah, human. Right, so it's a witch. It's not a human. It's a and form. also, he gets pissed at the curly-haired, hot, hot chick vampire when she kills some humans in Venice. Because he doesn't want to be found out, not necessarily because he cares about humans. Well, I don't think he cares about anybody. I mean, he hates everybody. It's not just because of humans. I think he's a sociopath that... I mean, he doesn't like witches. He doesn't like demons. He doesn't like other vampires. As we see, he wants to kill all the Claremont. So he's just a scumbag. So I don't know if he, if that's the typical... I don't think he's enough about to say she's a sociopath yet. Well, the thing is, is that... You about vampires to say that. Well, well, she she just killed she killed a guy in, the, in an alley. That's that's kind of a murder. But mostly we know the Declaremonts, and they may be they may co coexist with humans better than other vampires. We just don't know. I see what you're saying. So you're trying to say that most vamp- you're assuming that most vampires. I'm not be- saying we can't say that she is has has a problem because we don't know what most vampires do. We just know what the Declaremonts do, mostly. But she is a Declaremont. I know that. I'm just saying she's a Declaremont, but that doesn't mean that most vampires do what the Declaremonts do. Because, I mean, every time we've seen a vampire feed, it's been off of an animal, not a human, until... Well, no, I take that back. That's not true. Uh, I know. That's, like, that's why I said I take that back. For example... But the thing is, is that they, like when the one, when the one curly haired woman, I forgot her name, when she feeds off of a guy, she gets in trouble. Okay. There, there are laws, you know, of course it probably the laws didn't, may not have existed back in 1590, but she's still, I mean, she still has, okay. Maybe she doesn't, maybe she's not a sociopath per se, but she has absolutely no regard for human life whatsoever. Well, put it this way: if if we look at her based off of uh, the human definition of an individual, again, we're, we understand that she's not human; she's a vampire. But she acts as if she was if she was a human, even though she's not. We would consider her most likely a sociopath because she has disregard for other life. Now, being a vampire, we don't know enough about vampires to know whether or not that's normal behavior or abnormal behavior exactly. well and it might be abnormal behavior but it might not be sociopathic do you know what i mean like that the woman that kevin's talking about killed someone too and i i think she got in trouble more because it was very obvious and the cops into it and uh what's his name had had to look into it so she got in trouble for that reason um, but I don't think right. she said that guy doesn't care about humans. So just the fact that she got he, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care about anybody. Well, I mean, Jaber, I mean, Jaber thinks himself superior to everybody, he, to everybody. But I mean, especially to humans. And so he doesn't. The thing is, is that he may think himself superior to humans, but he's 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 fine not even interacting with them. But I don't think he he looks on them as food. So I mean, some do like she went and killed somebody early in the first season. So it's not like none of them view humans as food. Oh, I know. Right. Right. We, you know, yeah. Put it this way. I agree with you, Barrett. If, if, if they didn't want to work with humans and live in human society, there's a chance that they would look at humans as cattle. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. 
but most of them have uh, even in fifteen ninety most of them aren't like that right, right. I mean, well we don't get a, that we don't get a sense of how many vampires there are really because sure. if we're not obviously told which ones are vampires and which ones aren't. We get an idea because they're declaremonts or whatever, but not all declaremonts are vampires either. That's true. So, so let's let's just talk about this Louisa. She and, and, and okay, even if she's whether she's a a a, a sociopath or just a, a a vampire that doesn't care about humans and looks at them as we would look at uh, food, humans would look at food. Then, but we can we can say. As I think what Kevin is trying to say, am I right? and you can continue, pick up after I, I pass it to you, Kevin, the baton, which is you're saying, Kevin, that she has disregard for humans and therefore is most likely a dangerous person, not only to humans, but even to vampires because she could give away their, I guess, their, their unknown in a sense. Can I interject well, when we, when we first meet her, okay, go on, Barrett. Well, I just wanted to say she's also flouting the rules of that guy that's in charge of London. Just as an aside, yeah, she, she's a, she's a rebel of everything. Yeah. Okay, go on, Kevin. Go on, Kevin. Sorry, well, I just want to add that in there as part of the discussion. No, that, no that's true. It's it, the thing is, is that he. Um, or when we first meet her. She is essentially consuming a guy in broad daylight. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. if we first meet her, you know, and first we think, oh, he's just they're making out. And all of a sudden she she her face peer appears and, oh, you know, she just ate that, you know, just pretty much ate the guy she um, off with his sleeve. It's a great scene. Right. Yeah, you're right, and he's dead. It's not just dead. yeah. So he he's literally killed. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of my you know that's my point. I mean, when we first meet her, she's she has already you know eaten somebody, you know, consumed somebody, and uh, you know, of course, I mean, Kit's just like okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, he almost actually he even kind of chuckled at it because of course at the same time he's a little. He's a bit miffed at, um, you know, Matthew anyway, just because, uh, you know, you know, mostly, you know, because of uh, Diana. And, you know, and he also, just, I, also, and he I just think got he's got I think he's also kind of scared of uh, Louisa <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, who who's to say she won't try to eat him? And also, as a story point. For us to be introduced to her this way obviously is intentional because they meaning uh, the, the showrunners and the, the writer, Deborah Harkness obviously want us to think of her a certain way because they wouldn't have introduced her this way. Otherwise um, well, now isn't saying she's good. I don't think she's good. <laughs> that is not what point I was trying to make. I want to be clear on that. <laughs> sure. Now what, what's, what's, what's Kit is Kit. Isn't Kit. A, he's not a vampire, right? He's what is he? A demon? The demon. Yeah. Okay. He's a playwright, and demons are mostly creative people. Right. 
You know, you know, it's kind of humorous. Uh, co-host Mike of the Dark Discussions, uh, he's now on season two, and uh, they, they they like it much. Uh, his wife likes it a lot, and now he's beginning to like it as well, the show. Um, and he says, "I have a question for you, Phil." And I said, "I already know what your question is going to be." And he goes, "What?" I says, "You're going to ask what are the the powers of demons." And he goes, "Exactly. I have no idea." And so he, uh, it's. Obviously, not just us that were confused about what a demon was and is because, and we had to go look on the Discovery of Witches wiki to try to figure it out because it's obviously not being uh, well defined in the show either. Which so, is, I think, in a way, is fine. The only problem with that is that people have an idea of what demons are no matter how it's spelled. So if you want to be different than that you need to at least kind of give an idea of what that means in your world building yeah and maybe it's much better in the in the books but yeah in the show it's somewhat confused probably distinctly without making an exposition you know (laughs) right right yeah exactly yeah they, they could they could have done something yeah but anyway it's kind of it was just kind of interesting to know that he had the same thing and i knew exactly what he was going to ask me even though he just said i have a question about the show and i go i know what the question is this is so funny book that listed famous demons or something and had a bunch of different artists in there you know like i don't know right all sorts of artists and then they'll be like oh wow look at this he was a demon or she was a demon (laughs) right exactly um all right so let's get back to louisa so kevin um, what's going on with her? What 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 do we think her well, introduction was for? I don't, well, that that's just it. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I can easily see her being a massive thorn in Matthew's side. You know, and the thing is, also, you got to realize is that we don't even hear about her until now. Like, as far as we know, Matthew. I, I mean, until. Until this episode, we didn't even know Matthew had a sister. I mean, or you know, one way or another, um, because when, because uh, I mean, we first the the guy that's now the head of that uh, the the Lazarus group, um, the Knights of Lazarus, you know, that guy, you know, Matthew calls him his brother, you know, because they were sired by the same, you know, by the same vampire. But the thing is, is that. Um, you know, she comes in, you know, Matthew never mentions her. So it makes me wonder, one, will she, you know, last the second season? You know, will will somebody kill her, you know, or end her, you know, our. Um, because, you know, Matthew doesn't have anything to do with her or um, if she is part of Declaremont. Maybe she is the one with the blood rage. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things that we could bring up. We're, we're we could assume that similar to like you know, uh, not to use a a Star Wars anthology, but a lot of people are familiar with that series. Um, Lando Carusian is introduced in the second film of the franchise and not mentioned once really at all in the first franchise. So I mean the first film. So as we know, you know, someone writes a book or, or a movie and then they want to build on that and they make a second, they just start adding new characters um, into 
the world. So it could be just that, that her character, like Kit's character, or anybody from the 1590s, they just introduced this season. So that may be the reason why, because when she wrote the first book, Deborah Harkness, maybe um, this character, along with Kit and all the rest, weren't even in her mind when she was writing. So that's possible. Now, the second thing that you mentioned Kevin, why don't you build on that? Explain that part again. Well, let me bring, let me let me point you in the direction where I was going to try to see if you were going to go because I, I was curious if you were going to say the same thing. Is she somehow going to time trip into the future with them, and she or she still lives in the future in nine, you know twenty twenty one because you know again you know they can live hundreds of years vampires so. Is she the one that gets into 2021 and is she the one that's murdering everybody in London? Because as we see, she's in London now. Is she locked up and arrested and locked up in like some dungeon by the end of this season? And then we flash back to 2021 again and someone releases her and then she's in a blood rage because, again, we're talking about Claremonts and how they have. Uh, Could believe too. Yeah, it could be Philippe too. And about too is I, both of them. My list is growing longer for who could be the blood rage, blood rage vampire. Right, because you can't believe they're just going to throw a do X machina. So, you know, and and it can't be Matthew because Matthew's now in the past, and as we know, there's only one version of every person of of every individual in every year you know every time spot so when matthew goes to the past he disappears in 2021 but he t- replaces the body of the the 1590 version of him so he can't be in 2021 so it can't be him doing the blood rage so Is that's that why I'm thinking, true what if they replace each other well, that's true. That's a good she question. She replace herself because she's still in the future. Right. And I know there's a lot of people that watch the show have read the book, so they probably already know the answer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're obviously not sure. But that's a really good point, too. Maybe they flip-flopped and the, the past Matthew is in the future now, and he's the blood rage monster. But the reason I think it may be Louisa is because she's in London right now. And as we've seen in this first episode, she's done a lot of bad things. She's already shot somebody. She's already murdered somebody in in the alley. She's doing debauchery publicly without care of being seen. So I'm thinking maybe she's going to get arrested and she's going to be locked up and then, you know, throw away the key. And then they're just going to forget about her. And then 500 years later, or well, not five hundred, four hundred and thirty years later, she's released, and it's just coincidental. It's the time that she uh, Matthew's in the past. What well, seems but, a bit more co- than coincidence that she shows up the second he leaves. Matthew leaves. Yeah, right. Let me ask you, Barrett. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, um, Kevin. Because uh, now, do you think Louisa? is the blood rage person in the future, or do you think it's something else or is she just a, a red herring or is she just going to play a part in the 1590 story? 
Uh, well, my, I was about to say that, you know, we, we hear about the blood rage and that it's in the De Claremont family. And then all of a sudden, Louisa comes up. And not only does she come in, but the first time we see her, she's just consuming a guy. Um, and then she shoots another one. You know, so it, it shows that she has like no regard for human life. You know, whatever mental capability, whatever mental, you know, whatever mental problem or non-problem she has, she has absolutely no regard for human life. All right. You can't argue that. So then the question is, you know, and obviously vampires live a very long time. So the thing is, is that it makes you wonder, like with the blood rage, does the blood rage develop? Like, for example, let's just say, for example, it is Louisa. OK, let, you know, she's the one with the blood rage. But when she consumed that guy, it was obvious she just bit him in the neck, drained him as blood. That's it. You know, and she just kind of walked away. She didn't tear into the guy. She didn't pretty much eat his eat him. You know, she just drank his blood. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's the thing is, is that it's it's kind of co- a little too coincidental that. We hear about blood rage and all of a sudden she shows up. Right. And she's acting very erratic and she's a Claremont. Well, she's not really uh, erratic. I don't know. Well, let me rephrase erratic. Uh, Let me rephrase and use a different semantical word. Uh, uh, Acting very irresponsibly publicly. Attracting notice. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that is definitely true. She is definitely acting irrationally. Well, erratically is a good way to say it i think good way to say it yeah yeah i mean like if she's said, she doesn't care. Body, I, i'm sorry i was just gonna say if she's leaving a uh a trail of bodies wherever she goes that that's that's erratic for sure uh go on Kevin. no i mean she just doesn't care she i, I mean she just does not care you know i mean when the guy tell, tells them to when that one uh essentially the early version of a police officer tells him you know go home, you're breaking curfew, and she tells him off. And then he tells her off by calling her a whore. And so she just pulls out a gun and shoots him. And at first, Kit's kind of like, oh, my goodness. And then after a while, he's just, uh, whatever, because he didn't care. Yeah, he's gonna, he's, well, he's going to get laid, so he's just like, who cares? Well, no, I don't think so, because she actually came on to him at the beginning, and he refused her. Because he likes Matthew. Yeah, he's he's LGBTQ kid. It's hard to say. I mean, he might just have a a bromance with him, but he he, that's where his heart lies. So whether that's a romantic heart or just, you know, it's like his. Interesting. Yeah, I noticed that, too, because he because when she kind of comes on to him, he refuses her. And then she says, oh, you still love Matthew. Right. You know, oh, so no wonder why he hates D- Diana. Right. Interesting. See, I, I missed all that. Well, even if it's not a romantic love, it's a love that anybody coming between it would yeah. be a problem. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you're right. So, yeah, so I'm thinking something like this. Like, all right, so she, let's say they discover who she that this crazy woman or what the authorities will consider crazy uh, 
woman killing people, acting drunk, refusing to you know go into curfew, not listening to the law, and all this other stuff. So they come and get go after her. I could see someone like Hubbard even, who who is a vampire, could take her out and, and throw her in a dungeon. Never mind if 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 the humans are incapable of doing it. Oh well, he has his laws, and she's just violated them, right? She's yeah, king without his leave, unless we don't know something. I mean, that's the only other possibility. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the the whole Louisa story, right? It's really just her showing up looking for her brother. She finds out her brother is already has gone the opposite way to France. And so she says she's just going to stay here and, and party it up uh, with Kit. And, uh, yeah, and, and the two of them, specifically her with Kit just being a bozo, uh, are kind of possibly going to ruin stuff for a lot of people involved. Anything else we want to add to the, that story? I think that's pretty succinct. <laughs> Kevin? Well, like I said, when she – when. When she comes in, not only is she, you know, a little, I mean, she is upset, like almost as upset as Kid is that Matthew is now with a witch, you know, and not bewitched, but actually in love, you know, and she is really not happy about that. And so I wonder if that's going to, well, I mean, and so, like I said, she is obviously going to, be a, a thorn in Matthew and Diana's side. Yeah, I think you could be right. And uh, we'll figure out how that happens and how that, I mean, because who knows when they're going to get back to London um, and whatnot. Uh, it'll be curious to see um, how they work the two stories. But this is this is a interesting concept because now we have like more of a ensemble cast if they're going to go back and forth between um, Diana and then various characters in London. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Um, all right. So let's start talking about some of the, the Claremont stuff. It's really, uh, a pretty simple episode when you think about it, cause it's basically traveling them heading to, uh, the, the Claremont castle or state, uh, as, uh, we discussed, um, and that's pretty much it until they get there. And then we meet Philip and uh, we determine whether or not um, Phil, or I should say Philip, I mean Philippe's, uh, which is basically Philip in French. Um, what happens there? Um, and that's pretty much it. So it's the travel to the castle and the introduction of the castle. Uh, but the main story is, I guess, the relationship between Diana and my, Matthew more than anything. Yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, what do we want to get going? Well, with, like, well, well, there, there's a couple of things. As one, um, you know, I mean, she, this is a rough trip for her, and he knows it, and he's trying to make things go as well as he can. Uh, he's pretty much saying that, you know, this whole escort is, you know, in, in words, it's for their protection. But in reality, it's 
and it was Matthew said, this is just his father's way of saying he's the one with the power. Um, also, what was it? There's an interesting scene because France is kind of in the midst of a, of a sort of civil war because the king is a Protestant, but the, the people who are Catholic refuse to bow the knee. So uh, there, there's a bit of a civil war there because people are like, well, I'm not going to bow, bow the knee to a Protestant uh, king. And so the Protestant king essentially sends his armies to go out and destroy anyone who, who doesn't. Um, yeah, the Huguenots. That's a French Protestant. Was a Huguenot. Yeah, but the Huguenots weren't the ruler. Huguenots never ruled. Right, right, right. But but who's the Protestant king, though, right? It has to be a Huguenot if it's in France. No. No. Huguenots, Huguenots, Huguenots fled France. Uh, and uh, no, Huguenots. Yeah, were... most of them. A lot of them did. Yeah. But who yeah. would be a Protestant king in France? And, and if he's a Frenchman, he has to, he would be considered a Huguenot because he's Protestant. Well, I mean, the Huguenots were, you know, were northern, were mostly northern France. But I mean, it's anyway, it's a Protestant case. I don't know the history, but I mean, I don't think it's the Huguenots because the Huguenots were, they never had power. You know, they never had power. They never had political power. They were just normal, everyday people who ended up getting slaughtered by the Catholics in uh, uh, in St. Barth- St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, and, except for those who fled over to um the Netherlands and uh King during 15. Oh, here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. The Huguenot rebellions of the 1620s resulted in the abolition of their political and military privileges. Uh, okay, here it is. The French wars of religion fought between 1562 and 1598. The Huguenots were led by Jean de Ebret, her son, the future Henry the Fourth, who would later convert to Catholicism in order to become king, and the princes of Condé. The wars ended with the Edict of Nantes, which granted the Huguenots substantial religious, political, and military autonomy. All right, so it's Henry the Fourth is there, who they're probably talking about, because he was the leader of the Huguenots that fought the Catholics, and then to become king, he converted to Catholicism and he united the country. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he was practical. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we learn something new every day. Exactly. But anyway, they they go, they find a village that was pretty much torched to the ground, and yeah. and Diana wants to look for survivors. Matthew says no. Let's keep on going. Um, I don't. I mean, it's obvious that she was not happy about that, but she, I think she understood. But then. Um, yeah, she wanted a. She was she was a humanist, or if you prefer, a a a a good Christian who wanted to go and help the needy and the people who've died or were hurt in the village. She was a humanitarian. That that I mean, there's that, that's just it. She was a humanitarian, and that's right. And Matthew was being practical, which is right. We, if we get involved, where we'll either get killed too, or we'll attract attention to ourselves and they're and probably him being and him being a Claremont won't help because the Protestants want him dead. And the enemy is still around probably is what he was also worried about. Yeah. They were close by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he even said that the people that were helping them, you can't even trust. Right. Because when they remember when 
Gallo Glass drops them off. She, she asked Diana, Diana asked Matthew, uh, so these are friends? And he kind of said, well, it depends on your definition of friends. <laughs> you know, so. Right. So anyway, but the thing is, is that as they're getting closer, you can tell he's getting a little bit more. I wouldn't say um, he, he's having a tough time with it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's having a tough time with seeing his father again because I mean he had he, I mean he said you know he hadn't pretty much he hadn't seen his father since well nineteen twenty yeah he, exactly yeah. you know so he he hadn't seen his father oh you're right it was not, World War Two right yeah because they say they keep on seventy saying seventy years right haven't seen him since seventy yeah so that would be not World War Two yeah okay yeah so anyway so he's he's having a tough time with it and then um but then there's this one instance where they're in a tent together and they're ready. I mean, they're starting to get well, hot and heavy. And then he stops. Um, and the thing is, is that this is the first time we, re- we find out that, I mean, I thought that they copulated a while ago, but it turns out they never did. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, okay. All right. But the thing is, is that we realize and they even talk about it in like last week on that, um, you know, he can't I mean, he can't. Well, I mean, he can, but I mean, he he has the the blood rage. And so they are he's afraid that it's it's obvious. I mean, even though he doesn't talk about it, it's pretty much uh, obvious that he is afraid that if they uh, if she conceives that he'll. They'll they'll produce another uh, vampire with blood rage, you know, and he and he's he's afraid of that. Oh, oh, oh! Let me ask you some questions here, Kevin, because this is really interesting to me. Because I, I we're going to learn next week the real truth, right? He's going to probably say exactly what you're saying now. So you're trying right. to say that the secret that viewers like me who are dense <laughs> is is exactly what you're you've already figured out which is if we consummate and i get you pregnant then yeah the blood rage but you know what's weird though is they were already kind of together in the present so wouldn't they have already had the use of modern uh modern uh contraceptives back in the so and they hadn't done it in 2021 well, you see what I'm saying? Well, that'd be, no, I understand exactly what you're saying, but the problem is, is that we we don't, um, you know, we we don't uh, we don't know. Right. I mean, we really don't know because I mean, this is really the only time we've really seen, you know, Matthew, you know, doing, you know, this this whole thing. So I mean, I like I said, I thought that. Oh. What? Well, what if going that far would cause him to lose control also? Ooh, right, right, right. Just, yeah, because when he gets excited, he gets violent. Right. Right. Because we, we saw how he went, had that weird sexual rage of blood when he attacked the deer in season one. Because technically... There's a lot of uh, people that talk, write serial killers because right now serial killers are, are big again because of the Night Stalker miniseries on 
uh, Netflix, a four-part miniseries on Netflix. And so I'm reading now a book based off of that miniseries uh, because the miniseries was kind of interesting. And uh, it's about Richard Ramirez, the serial killer. And they're talking about one of the, the guys that Mindhunter, the, the TV miniseries was based on um, from the FBI, stated that everything for serial killers is sex. So even if anything that makes you high that's violent for a serial killer is the same thing to them as regular uh, um, orgasm and sex. So with a vampire, when he attacks that deer, it's like a blood orgy of ecstasy. And so maybe if he has sexual relations with Diana, he could have the same issue where he goes into this blood rage orgy of ecstasy and could kill her. Is that what you're trying to say, Barrett? Yeah, possibly. You, Kevin? I mean, just a, just yeah. another possibility is that, you know, yeah, he could lose control because he's just enjoying himself a little too much and he feels like breaking that barrier would cause him to maybe lose control. Well, the thing is, is that they never, yeah, because, I mean, they never did it because, you know, the I mean, the father's father figured it out pretty quickly and, you know, and it's so it's... uh well, and that would answer why in 2021 they might not have gone that far as well because of his fear of the blood rage. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is very possible. But All I right. mean, I'm wondering that maybe they didn't because um, he was afraid that he would spread the disease. Well, yeah, in this and time. For sure, also, yeah, yeah and that, that would also be a reason why he may be chomping at the bit to get that book because there may be an actual cure in there um, yep. for, to, to be cured of uh, blood rage. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. okay, all right. Because that's what I was thinking. I kept on saying, well, it can't be because of a witch-vampire hybrid because we've already saw that it's already been done in the present and then i'm thinking i had, i was shocked when i found out they hadn't consummated the relationship yet because they've been around hanging out for a good many months now to the point where they had many opportunities that people of their ilk would have took taken the opportunity to have uh relations in the future and in that and in the future you know you can have, you have condoms and all the various other contraceptives and such. So that's why I think I was confused with 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 the things that you guys seem to have already figured out. Well, I wouldn't say I've figured anything out. It's just I'm, I'm making my own assumptions based on what I'm seeing and hearing. But it could be totally wrong. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because what will... Oh, go on. I was just going to say, it's the only thing that would make sense to me is that he thinks he's going to lose control. So in the future and now in the past, he is not consummated because of that. And now it's really bugging her, especially now that she's found out that there's a, a reason that she doesn't know about for them not doing it. Right, right. And, and of course, for novels and movies and TV shows, 
it's very convenient for him not to just come out and, and tell her, you know, because he's doing, you know, so it's very convenient versus say convenient for the plot when his, his, uh, assistant came right out to Phoebe and says, I'm a vampire, you know, because that was convenient for the plot too, you know, and I'm, this is nitpicks cause you know, the, the show's still good. Even if these things are convenient with the plot and almost every movie, TV show and book, things are convenient for the plot. But, um, yeah, because there was an opportunity when they, she was basically giving herself willingly to him in the tent and he turns her down or, or says, not now, not at this moment. He could have just came out and say why. And you would think it would have been the smart move because it would make her understand what's going on rather than being pissed. But unless he's that scared to tell people about the blood rage that he may have, never mind his family, that's the only reason why I could see him not telling her at that moment. Except for it was convenient for the plot. Well, the reason at that point is because he's gone so long without telling her. And they, the one thing, yeah, it's convenient to the plot, but they, the good thing is they didn't talk about the blood rage until this season. And so she didn't see examples of it before they went into the past. So it's all a mystery to her right now. Although we see both sides of the time span right now, we see the blood rage and what it's doing and they're talking about it and the fact that he has it, which we didn't know as well. So we're seeing a lot that she's not seeing and he's probably kept this private for so long because it is such a bad thing that coming out with it now, even to her is probably pretty difficult. Yeah. What's your feelings on, on, on that, uh, Kevin? Why hasn't he just come right out and told her that it's related to the blood rage, whether it's he's worried that he would kill her, her because he would become animalistic or whether it's he's worried that their children would be that way? Well, he may also just be worried that, I mean, this is somebody that he really loves. I mean, they've kind of made it a point that this is really the first person that he's really fallen in love with and a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people. Um, see, the thing is, is that I thought they've, I, I thought he's been in relationships in the past, so I, I'm not sure if this is like the uh, first. Maybe what? he killed them. Maybe he killed them. And he didn't even, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That one well, black woman was still alive. Because remember that one, the curly-haired woman, they yeah, said but, that she was made for him. Right. So and, well, for, she was a vampire, too. So I, I think maybe... Vampire that was made for him. So possibly they made... Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm really conjecturing here, but um, I don't know. It's just he can't tell her, you know, maybe because he's just afraid of how she would react. Right, right. Yeah, and and that's pretty much the 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 travel from the um, English Channel to the Charmont, I mean Claremont Castle is it's about. It's basically her and him figuring out their relationship 
and stuff. And then they um, have the issue with the, the, the relation, the sexual part of the relationship and whatnot. Now there was one other scene and I should have read it, wrote it down and, and I didn't, but I'll see if either of you remember it. If not, we'll, we'll just move on. Um, there's a scene when they're riding on horses and they, and they, they, they have a pretty interesting conversation. I don't know if you guys remember this interesting conversation. It was when they were like in the forest rather than the fields. If you guys don't know the specifics, it's my own fault for not I'm writing it down and we, and we can just move on. Um, but I just wanted to throw it out to see if either of you knew what I was talking about because it was pretty interesting and I just can't remember, unfortunately. I remember them talking, but not the specifics of the conversation at that point. All right. So let's, let's then move on then. Um, all right. Let's, let's talk about, I guess, well, actually, is there anything else that we want to discuss before we get to the castle? Um, we do see one scene when Diana actually falls off the horse in uh, what appears to be uh, super tired slash almost getting like sick. You know, I was thinking she would, they were going to come up with her coming with a pneumonia or something, to be honest, based off of what was going on, riding in the rain and all this other stuff, nonstop, little sleep. Um, so that was an interesting scene, but anything else anybody wanted to bring up about that trip between the English channel to, uh, the Claremont, uh, castle. Nope. Um, yeah, go on, go on. Uh, I I just, I find it interesting and I like how they're doing this where she seems to, um, have her own relationship with all his servants and people that uh, love him. Yeah, so like, she gets to meet meet them individually, right? Yeah, she, well, and she gets to know them, and she cares about them, and she talks to them like they're people. So they start to care about her. It's just, I like that they're doing that in the show. It's it's really well done. Right, and that's always an interesting thing about, we, I mean, we've seen this in many shows and movies before, so it's not like anything necessarily original. But we always see someone that, is a commoner or a regular person that marries into these filthy, rich, wealthy, upper class royalty type families. And the, the people they marry or, or whatnot are usually good people, but they still look at servants as servants. While the person that marries into these families always sees servants as just human beings and that they're just doing a job. They're not inferior. And even if the wealthy person they married is has a clouded vision because of the way they were brought up, it's it's always been kind of a trope where the other person sees them as humans and develops friendships with them and whatnot. So I, th- I think that is exactly what's happening with Diana, right? I mean, she's meeting these people and sees them as more than just servants, but employees that humans that are just employees rather than anything less. Yeah. And it's a part of her character. I just like how they're doing it. I just like that. She's getting close to all his people. And after they've been around her a while, they like her <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <more> than him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like uh, 
Marjorie in Game of Thrones when she married Joffrey. Yep. Right. yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk about uh, the castle, the Claremont estate, what we find there, who who Philippe is, the the whole issue that is brought up between him and his father and Matthew also with, with Diana and, and whatnot. So, uh, let's discuss all that. Um, Kevin, why don't you begin? Well, I mean, they go in, they go directly to the father and the father pretty much says, I mean, for Matthew, brings the coin back. He's like, you know, I came here as, as summoned. The father's a little upset that Matthew didn't uh, go to him first, or at least tell him that he's he's now with a witch. Um, yeah, and he says, you know, I had to hear it from, what was the priest's name? Hubbard. Re- Hubbard. Hubbard. Yeah. I had to hear it from Hubbard. You know, of course, Matthew's a little like, oh, Hubbard told you. He's like, you can you can just imagine him thinking, I shall have to have a talk with Mr. Hubbard when I get back to London. Um, you know, because he's kind of, you know, because, I mean, he was trying to be on good, you know, at least on uh, peaceful terms with Hubbard. But Hubbard really, you know, I have a feeling Hubbard's going to feel the wrath of uh, Matthew when he gets back. Um, and there's there's, And so he, he meets... Um, Diana and Diana pretty much holds her own while they're talking. But the funny part is, is that he's, I don't know how to describe it. He, in some ways he's a little condescending, but at other, at the, at the same time, you can tell he's kind of curious about her. And, and then he also figures out that she's a time walker. And so, I mean, he is a lot, cleverer than your 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 average vampire i mean he he figures it all out pretty quickly which i i think was quite interesting um and they kind of have their pleasantries but there's obviously tension in the air and she's not putting up with him either until he comes right out and says you know you you haven't had you haven't had sex, you know, so you're really not married. And she's upset, you know, with him saying that. Matthew's upset with him saying that. And then they kind of go away and Matthew he says, you know, you're sleeping in separate rooms. Uh, you know, you're not married, so you're not sleeping together. And then um, what was it? Then they have this, then Matthew's trying to, calm her down and she's really torqued off and she actually uses her magic powers to, to throw Matthew out the out the door and shut the door on him. And of course Matthew's pretty PO'd. And then the father pretty much tells him to go hunt the next morning. <clears throat> he says, you know, when's the last time you really ate? And he's you know, and so finally he uh So he we're right to, there. We're we're assuming yeah. we're assuming uh it's gonna be similar to the dare scene in season one, right? Oh yeah. And pretty much it is. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Um, 
there really isn't much. I mean, it, it's interesting because um, when when she gets up in the morning, you know, he, the the father is actually a little bit more uh, convivial with. Her. He's a little bit more hospitable to her. You know, and he says, yeah, I hope, you know, he says, uh, he pretty much kind of backs up. He says, I hope you don't mind, you know, me, you know, telling you to not sleep together. And she pretty much says, you know, your house, your rules. And he, he it's, it's almost like he, they, they start to, they start to get, uh, start to, uh, um, like a mutual respect for another. And he says, and he even offers to say, here, you know, I've got some books here. If you want to look, she says, you know, oh no, he offers her keys. He offers her. He offers her. Offers her keys to various places in the house, and she says, "Well, what's this for?" And it almost sounds like he's like, "Oh, for the kitchen, for the room cupboards, all that sort of thing." She says, "Look, I'm not going to be the lady of the house." He says, "This is just more of a gesture, really. You know, I'm just trying to make you feel more welcome and kind of more of a, um, you know, kind of a better position." You know, not just a guest, you know, or, you know, but he's essentially offering her the almost like lady of the house, like like authority type thing that she doesn't get it. But then it's interesting. One thing that he said, she talks, she asks about books and he says, oh, yeah, I'll show, I'll show you my, my library. And he, she says, oh, they're not locked up. He says, why should books be locked up? And he, and I think he said something like, I can't remember what he said. And I wish I w- wrote it down because he's like, you know, if you lock up books, you that's that's not and pretty much. He said, you know, you lock up books, or you lock up not, you know, locking up books is like locking up knowledge. It's not, it's not good for anybody. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That shows that he's a progressive thinker rather than, you know, um, a, a brave new world type of thinker that's for sure i think he said nothing dangerous ever really happens from books and she's like you'd be surprised yeah <laughs> and i don't th- i do think that he was being passive aggressive by giving her the, the keys <laughs> to being the domestic in the house <laughs> right i don't right. think he was being like generous I, he says that afterwards but i that was all part of his ploy to see how she would react. And... Yeah, that, that that's how I thought, too, because at first it seemed like he was being a dink. But then when he, she calls him out, he 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 had his his story all set that he could say, oh, no, no, you misunderstood. He's testing, but, basically. He's putting through her through testing. Yeah, that that's a good way to look at it too. So, yeah, so it could be that as well. I, I would I would concur because that's how I felt at first. But then I said, no, oh, maybe he is authentic. But then again, sometimes I'm gullible, and I, if someone says, no, no, I wasn't. I was. I'm serious. And I, oh, all right. Yeah, and I'm I'm just a gullible idiot sometimes. But um, you're right. It could he he could have been um, what we call testing her and and intentionally seeing how she would react. Well, and you know, like the lady of the house is a position of power, but it's not to her. <laughs> right. That's actually true. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, being, I mean, she, Oh, I remember what the, con- I, this, uh, thank you for bringing it up. That's what it was. They were talking about the French, French revolution on the ride. 
and she goes, oh, it's a shame that right. the sexual revolution hasn't started yet. So that was almost like a, a, a Chekhov's talk to see, <laughs> you know, see what was going to happen when Philippe, you know, enters the picture later in the, in the, the show. So, yeah, yeah. So, so she, even though there's nothing wrong with all those quote unquote woman of the house activities, you know, there's nothing wrong with sewing. There's nothing wrong with cooking. There's nothing wrong with, uh, taking care of children or any of that stuff. Uh, some, some modern feminists will, would say otherwise, you know, we, we have the, the Hillary Clinton line where I'm not going to be Tammy Wynette and you, I'm not baking cookies and all this other stuff. And, and whatnot, you know, and people got pissed because they're saying, what the hell's wrong with cooking? What the hell's wrong with sewing? What the hell's wrong? So there is nothing wrong with it. But stereotypes, as as we can see in, in pre-programmed with people, think it is the quote-unquote weaker sex work and whatnot. And, and for Diana, she was looking at it as Philippe was, was trying to be – I guess I'm a, a misogynist, maybe. And so she it's just being a, a victim of his times, actually. You know, I mean, like, that's what women were expected. And he thought he was even if, if he was being genuine, he thought he was being, you know, kind to her. And but I still think he was testing her. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even though he's a smart guy and he even acts as if he's a a man before his times, meaning he understands things are going to happen in the future that are different. Um, he's still a, a person of 1590. Yep. And this is a big honor for him to give her that lady of the house position while his wife is out. Right. Yeah. Especially one that's a, a, a deadly enemy to his wife. His wife looks right. at, yeah. As he even says, things would have gone differently if my wife were here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that was awesome. Yeah. It, round her up and, and burn her to the stake right now. Yes. Yes. Isabel it would, have, would have killed her. Because um, you have the dichotomy, because right after that, they go to Isabel, and she's worried about them both. In the yes. Future. <laughs> Yeah, that's Where right. In that past, she would have been a little more bloodthirsty and might have killed Diana out of hand. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the times have changed. So even yeah. in Isabel, that, that's the weird thing about these vampires is that since they live for so long and unlike a generally good human being that for 90 years can live and would never do a terrible thing like that, vampires it seems like every vampire that's lived longer than 80 years has done something horrible, at least in the eyes of normal Judeo-Christian values. Well, and I would say probably the older you become, the more likely that becomes, you know, because at some point in your life, you're going to experience some tragedy the longer you live. And a tragedy might change you. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a vampire that... And again, a lot of, I mean, this is a problem with, with modern day, right? Is where people are now canceling people that lived 200 years ago or a hundred years ago because they're products of their times. But 
in the modern age, those activities of those people would be considered are considered bad. So they're canceled. So someone, if a vampire lived in 1590 and, and they're killing witches, they're just doing what everybody else was doing, which is we got to kill witches because we believe they're Satan's children. So even though we now in 2021 would look at any of those people in that day and age as doing bad things, they're a byproduct of their time, which is just how it was. Right. I mean, in other words, there's a reason why the Catholics and the Protestants are killing each other in 1590, because for whatever reason, religion was to, was the number one issue or identity at that time. And if you weren't of that faith, you were the enemy or a heretic. And if you're a heretic, that means you're going to hell. And therefore, it's our duty to kill or, or imprison or force them to change to my religion. And in 1590, that was acceptable. So anybody who lived in 1590 is a product of that error. And yet, yet a person that, so anybody who was born in 2021 would never consider looking at the world that way. But if that baby was teleported to 1590, like Diana was and grew up in that era, they probably would be like that. Right. And even then, 200 years after like a bloodbath of people killing each other over religion, their following generations will still have a dislike against each other. It may not be religious anymore, but it grows into something even, you know, more different than that, but still a dislike. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the, the the joke is the Irish still hate the English, you know, 150 years later. The Norwegians still hate the Swedish, you know, 150 years later. So, I mean, it, so absolutely, it's it's generational as well. It's not just the people of that era. So it can continue, you know, for years. You know, I mean, Japan and China still hate each other, you know, 100 years later. So. It, it just goes on. So that that's a fair point, too. That's an excellent point. Um, and so you're right. So if you have a vampire that lives in 1590 doing weird things, they're a product of their time. And so when they exist in 2021, they could be fine, outstanding citizens and do no evil at all. But because they lived in 1590, they could have been the slave traders or they could have been burning witches or they could have been um you know doing who knows whatever else people did in those days that we we would frown upon today well and obviously matthew has done a lot of bad things and we know isbel has so yeah exactly yeah yeah and and, it, and it's known well known even in 2021 that these vampires that are alive now we're murdering our ancestors 400 years ago. Yep. Yeah, so that's interesting. And the change doesn't necessarily come easy because Isabel still feels hatred towards witches, even in 2021. Right, right. She's, she's obviously growing because now she's meeting, actually talking to witches firsthand and whatnot. But you're right, she's still... Um, I don't want to say prejudice against them, but she's still suspicious of them because of some reason. 
that we still don't know why, because I doubt she was just murdering witches in 1590 because she was murdering witches in 1590. Could have been witches in 1590 may have been killing vampires, too. We don't know. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. So her their animosity between each other is similar to the Irish and English or the Norwegians and Swedes or the Chinese and the Japanese and on and on it goes. Um. All right. So, what else we want to discuss about this uh, uh, castle scene? Um, that's specific. Uh, what do you think of Philippe embarrassing Matthew in front of Diana? Was that because it looked like he was just being a prick? But maybe he just wants everything in the open. What, what do you guys think? I think he wants everything in the open. I, I think that I think he does not think it's right that Matthew has not told her. And right. he's manipulating them both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I do think he doesn't think it's right that Matthew hasn't told her. But I also think he thinks that that gives him a wedge in to get her out, possibly. Right, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think, Kevin? Uh not much I can add to that. Um actually what I am it it's interesting because I'm also curious on how did this witch find out that Diana this other witch, the guy, uh find out that Diana was there. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean they don't I mean, do they did they did he sense her presence or did he use some magic and like all of a sudden poop she's there or oh, she, was there a spy from London that that told him she used magic when she forced him out of the room that might have told him she was there maybe he felt that that that's possible that's possible oh. just but because my whole point is is that all of a sudden here's this guy out of nowhere um. Essentially saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I, you know, lying that saying, you know, Diana summoned him and she's like, I have no idea who this guy is. And he tries to, you know, he tries to steal her memories. And the thing is, is that Philippe doesn't do anything, prevents Matthew from doing something, but it's almost like he's waiting for her to do something. He is. He's testing her again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like, wait a minute. Why are you? Because yeah, like, yeah, because he's not he's he's not letting Matthew. And then all of a sudden she kind of hey, I have to admit, it reminds me of Star Wars. You know, she she, you know, kind of puts out her hand. Matthew's dagger comes out from her from his, uh, from the from the scabbard and or sheath or scabbard. And, you know, into her hand. She stabs the guy like right in the ribs, you know, okay. and seem surprised he seems more interested (laughs) yeah well i mean it's a dead witch so you know i mean in his eyes you know especially local i mean the only good witch is a dead witch maybe for him but but at the same time though he was he almost seemed happy about it she kind of seemed she didn't seem overly shocked though it's not like oh my goodness i just killed a guy she just kind of has this I don't know. Well, wait, was she the one? That, was she the one that killed the curly-haired witch, or was it Matthew that killed the curly-haired witch? 
No, she did. Oh, she yeah, did. So, so but, she. I mean, I, let me phrase. I'm sorry. The curly haired vampire. Did she kill the curly haired vampire, or did Matthew kill? I, I knew. Okay. Yeah, she, she killed her. All like, right. So she's already killed once. Because she's still alive after Matthew gets wounded by her, and then she does that huge spell that throws That's the right. curly-haired witch out of the barn and dead. Yeah, the, the curly-haired vampire. We keep on saying witch, yeah. vampire. Yeah. Right, and she dies. And so, she yeah, she, so she's already killed once before, and then we also know that she's been tortured terribly by the Finnish witch. So I think at this point she's willing to defend herself, but I think it's all for defense, right? I, I, I mean, I don't think she would have yeah. even, you know, and, and it's like, I, it kind of reminded me of Sansa from Game of Thrones. Sansa from Game of Thrones was fairly uh, peaceful and she, and she, she tried to, was a self survivor. And when she's finally wrong to the point of like horrendously wrong, like, like the most evil possible which is basically Baelish and um ramsey she basically is ruthless with with their deaths and yet otherwise i don't think she would even consider killing anybody because that's not what she is and i think diana is kind of like that where she's kind of like santa which is she doesn't want to do harm to anybody but there's a point where there's so much evil and self-preservation that has to be done that that's why she had no issue killing this guy here because she was defending herself. It was defense. I mean, she could have let Matthew or someone else try to save her, but they weren't going to because Philippe was preventing it, saying witches, we don't get involved with witches in 1590. So what's that? We don't get involved with their affairs. Yeah, their affairs. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Um, and so at that point, she has to do something anywhere or she's dead. And so she kills him. And when she kills him, she kind of oddly had that little bloodthirst of vengeance. But that just may be a natural reaction for a human or a slash witch in that specific moment. Well... He had just tried to suck her memories away, and she gave him a lot more time than I would have before trying something to do to kill him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She gave him more than enough time to stop being a bad guy, and then it was time to kill him. Right. Well, and actually, that's the thing I'm curious. This Champier guy, you're right. See, he's obviously French, because, I mean, Andre Champier is as French as you can get. So he's local. Or, or at least local in in the sense that he's he's from France or or, or French language area, and and so it could have been he just felt the presence or whatnot, but it also could have been someone sent a spy from England sent a spy to him and said, hey, this this witch is coming, you may want to take her out. But I still don't even know what his dealings was with her in the first place why why did he want to kill her and why did he think she's a traitor or was that just a scam and he just wanted her power he wanted her memories anyway i don't know what that would give him but yeah i don't know 
maybe he would be able to learn how to time walk by doing that. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and if he had the power to be able to do that, I'm surprised more people haven't tried to do that to DNA yet. So this yeah. guy must have been pretty friggin' powerful. Not anymore. Yeah, I was about to say, emphasize the word was. Yeah, the word was, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it'll be curious to see what that was all about. Was he just some random kook that was a megalomaniac psycho? Or was he part of a a, a cabal that's after her? I don't know. That's what, I'm, 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 that's what I think was the most interesting thing about that whole scene was is there a bigger conspiracy or was he just a renegade nut? There are a lot of threads going up to this episode that could be explored. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to bring up about any, anything in the episode or, or expand on any topic that we, we've discussed yet? Um, anything anybody want to bring up? Kevin, you got, you got anything else? Or are you good or what? Anything? No, I'm good. All right. What about you, uh, Barrett? No, I think we covered pretty much everything in the episode. I mean, there was a lot of traveling, so there's only so much you can say about the traveling. And I even think we've talked about pretty much the big points during the traveling. So I think we covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's it was... there's this one brief scene. She talks about sexual revolution and Matthew gives her a pair of pants. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. That was funny. Well, that was right. She didn't have to ride uh, side saddle anymore. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, and that, that's another thing too. That speaking of the, the re- sexual revolution and feminism, right? The, the the new wave feminism is you don't have to be. It's weird because feminism is kind of split now between the original feminism, which is sewing's bad, taking care of kids is bad, cooking's bad. Uh, homekeepers bad, and, and pant, uh, dresses are bad. You know, on and on and on. And then there's the new feminism, which is uh, a woman can do whatever they want, and none of it's bad. And and any woman that says it is, they're you know betraying. They in a sense are misogynist too. So it's it's just an interesting aspect. So right, that you know the the old school feminists would say, yeah, get rid of the pants. I mean, get rid of the dresses. We're going to wear pants. You know, while the new feminism is I can wear my heels and and skirt and still kick ass in the real world. It's kind of interesting, but... Um, well, it's a situation it's kind of practical as far as the pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's more practical. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, that, that probably brings us to a good point, which is... If you, the listener, have anything to say about what we said tonight, uh, about the episodes, about the feminist stuff, about the um, Louisa stuff and all that, this is the time you can email us. And there's two ways you can do it. You can email us by going to darkdiscussions.com and press the Contact Us button. And that will open up a form where you can... It'll ask you to, you know, fill it out or whatever subject and all that. And you press send and it comes to us just like an email. And the other way is to just email us directly, which is darkdiscussions at AOL.com. Um, both are pretty easy to remember. Um, and we will read your emails on the episode, assuming they're cordial and not 
trolling. Um, so we're, we're, we're definitely willing to hear other perspectives, other people's opinions of the episode, other people's thoughts about what they think, and also what their thoughts about what they think of our opinions. So uh, once again, uh, do please email us. Uh, we will read them on the episode. Um, and that's pretty much it. Again, as Barrett said, this is a pretty straightforward episode. There's really only three major sections. Uh, the Louisa section, the travel from the English Channel to Septios, and then uh, the Septios section itself. So it's really just three sections. It's kind of interesting um, how, how the episode was, was built. Uh, before we give our final thoughts, uh, what do you people think of uh, the previews? Uh, either of you watched the preview, or well, I'm sure we all watched the preview, but any thoughts on the preview of next week? Well, I mean, it's obvious Matthew has a has a sit down um, with Diana and tries to explain some things. Uh, so that's so that's good. Well, it's also nice to know that they're still together. I mean, her shoving Matthew out, it was just more of a. Um, lover spat it was a lover spat you know and and they're they're still definitely together so that that was good um but i mean apart from that um you know we're going to hear more obviously about um what's going on between them you know uh with we're good we're, we're ah, sorry we're going we're going to learn more about what's going on with matthew you know, and he's probably going to explain to her. Hopefully, he's going to just lay it all out for her on, uh, you know, why he can't, you know, why, you know, they won't go all the way, so to speak. You know, they won't have sex. And um, I can't remember what else there was. Oh, he gets into Matthew gets into a fight with his father. Yeah, like that was a board fight. That was it. Yeah, they get into a big. I mean, you've heard about arguments between, uh, you know, father and son. This one's just straight out sword fight between the two of them. So father gets uh, Matthew pretty riled up for some reason. Yeah, I think it's probably still the the witch stuff and vampire stuff, but we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I'll be curious. Um, all right. That's cool. Uh, Barrett, any, any further thoughts you wanted to bring up that Kevin just brought up? Nope. Okay. Um, neither. I got nothing more to add. Kevin pretty much sums it up perfectly. So, uh, let's get my final thoughts on this episode here. So, uh, what's that you, Barrett? I, again, I really like this episode. I like how strong it showed Diana as being, um, it it was a really good episode. I enjoyed the heck out of it. All right. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I liked it a whole lot, too. It was uh, really straightforward and quick. Uh, the Louisa stuff didn't necessarily fit with the rest of the story, but um, it, it worked really well mixing and matching between the two stories. You know, it felt a lot like uh, um, Westworld or a Game of Thrones or something like that, where they have the ensemble cast and they just go back and forth through different stories. And, and even if the stories aren't necessarily directly related and it worked out quite fine. 
Um, so yeah, a, a quick 46 minute episode, I think, or 48 minute episode and, uh, uh, no, no dull spots at all. Uh, it was, it was really good. Kevin. Uh, fun episode. Very good episode like usual. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to next week, uh, just to, so we can, re, you know, be revealed more, uh, more interesting tidbits to be revealed to us. Yep. All right. So, uh, yeah, episode six will be the uh, second half of the season. So we're, we're already halfway through, uh, next episode, episode six will be, uh, directed or is directed by Jonathan Teplitsky, uh, Australian, uh, writer and film director. Uh, it was written by Pete McTeague and it will air February 12th in England and February 13th in the U S of a, and uh, it looks like we'll probably record that one a day after two because uh, Sunday the 14th is Valentine's Day. So uh, obviously we'll, we'll be with our wives. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get offline. But either way, uh, the episode will be coming out on uh, the 16th, uh, most likely Tuesday the 16th because of uh, the, if not a true holiday, the, the celebration weekend. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, hopefully folks will join us next week again, uh, com is our website. Uh, the dark discussions news network is what we're part of. And this is once again, uh, a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires podcasts. And email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or the contact us link on darkdiscussions.com. And with all that stated, Barrett, what I need is out. Thanks again for joining us on a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires podcast. We hope you'll join us next week when we go over episode six. Mm-hmm.